0: You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also check out our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to check out some more information about us and see what's going on this month on our events calendar. Lastly, follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas. With that being said, listen up, because here comes the word. Praise the Lord, everybody. How's everybody doing tonight? Everybody good? Amen. Just grateful to be in the house of the Lord. And um, I know we're, we're moving forward, but I just have to second that, that it was a powerful service on Sunday. You know, um, I was thinking uh, just about when I was coming up in, in ministry and it seemed like my first year being saved, those things would happen all the time. And then as, as time went on, you know, they, they would happen, but there would be few and far in between. But it's just nice to be reminded every now and again that God is in control. Amen. Come on, somebody, give God some praise. I don't know about you, but I just, you know, like, I, those type of things are just evidence for me of why I'm, I'm doing and why I've given my life over to Jesus Christ. Um, And so when you have those moments like that, you're just so grateful. I just want to start out by giving honor to God, first of all, who's the head of my life. Um, You know, church, without God, I'm nothing. Um, I'm just nothing but just dry bones. I want to give honor to our pastors, uh, Pastor Art and Pastor Maria. Give God some praise for them. Amen. The coolest pastor. Boy, y'all flowed real good on Sunday too. I was like, all right, I'll see y'all. Like, I was, like, hyped for y'all. Like, <laughs> I really was, amen. But it was just, it was cool to see. And, uh, you know, just, it, it gave me uh, to look forward to, to maybe one day flowing like that with my, my better half, amen. And it was just, that, that was awesome to just watch that. Um, and, you know, just uh, in, in addition to giving honor to them as well, I just want to give honor to all of you. Um, each and every one of you are, are so precious here. And I love each and every one of you. You know, I'm going to be gone for a month, so I'm getting a little sentimental. Amen. I- I'm going to be all right. I'm going on vacation. But, you ain't never heard my evil laugh. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying, my wife is trying to hold it together in the back. Um, yeah, that's me. Um, but no, uh, yeah, we're, we're getting ready to go away for a month. And I, you know, like, I'm a son of this ministry, so I'm going to miss each and every one of you, you know. And so when I'm away, like, I, I think about the church and just about little things. So I love each and every one of you. I want to give honor to my wife in the back who is here. Amen. Amen. Shout out to my wife. My wife's been giving me the business since we got on the road this, this afternoon. And so she's just been messing with me. But uh, this is a, it's a great time. Our daughter's one-year uh, birthday is tomorrow. Amen same day as Donald Trump, I'm like, <laughs> no wonder, no, I'm just teasing, no, but no, she, yeah, she's, she'll turn one tomorrow, and so um, I remember where we were a year ago during this particular time, um, we, were, uh, we were actually uh, just sitting in the room, and, and she couldn't feel Effie moving, and uh, so we both got a little worried, so we got on the, on the road, and uh, it just so happened that her sister was here walking our dog, around our neighborhood, and uh, we, we turned on, on this particular street that we were getting ready to get on the freeway, and here, here, here she is with our dog. We have a corgi. And so she's, you know, you know my, my sister-in-law is walking the dog, and it, seems like, it seemed like he knew that, that something was going on because Amanda got emotional, I, you know, her sister got emotional, I got emotional, and Raji, just, he just sat. And as soon as we pulled off, he just kept looking at the car, like, what's going on? And don't you know, he would not walk no more. She had to carry him. Now, if you've seen my dog, he's a bit of a, yeah, he's a bit of a tank. But can you, can you imagine this 30-some-odd-pound dog, Corgi, sitting on her shoulder walking him? And it wasn't close either. It was like about a quarter of a mile. But she, she walked him back. And so, um, But we had Effie um, in the morning, and I cried like a baby. Oh, I did. I really did. And so what a, what a grateful, um, and how grateful I am for that. And, and, and wouldn't you know that a couple days ago we found out we we're going to have another baby. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. I ain't going to never get no more sleep, Jesus. <laughs> it's over for life, Lord. <laughs> you might as well go ahead and get a, a standing account at Dutch Brothers. Amen. Lord God but I'm, I'm happy, you know, because, you know, I always look back on my life and what it looked like when I first came to the ministry and how I was praying uh, that God would give me a family. And and he has, he has returned it many fold. (laughs) He said, you want it? Voila, you got it. (laughs) But I'm grateful. And so we're, we're going to get a chance to spend some time together uh, with family and, and then we'll be back. And then we'll be back in the full swing of things. So God is good. Amen. Amen. So, I want to get into the word tonight. I'm not going to uh, delay this any longer. Um, you know, I, I've, I've been thinking a lot about what it means to be alive. Right? And, and what I mean by that, not just a, a physical, um, living, breathing type of thing, but what it means to be alive in Christ. Um, so many people are, are suffering in our world today. How many understand that? They're suffering. Um, you can turn on the news and see so much that's going on right now, and uh, so many of our friends and family members are suffering privately, and so um, I really want to really address that tonight the best way I know how, because I believe there are some people in their spiritual walk that are suffering, and so I, I, I truly, truly want to talk a little bit about that tonight because I believe that God wants to revive us, amen, amen. And so we have to, you know, we have to look to God always for these type of things, even the things that we can't understand. And so I'm going I'm to preach a little bit up about that tonight. Our scripture comes out of Ephesians 2. That's Ephesians 2, 1 through 8. Seems like when I'm going through the worst of times, God will, will direct me to Ephesians for whatever reason. That's just the way he did. De- I don't know what it is, but Ephesians 2, 1 through 8. It's weird. I'm I'm never really preaching Ephesians, but God led me there this time. Amen. It's Ephesians 2, 1 through 8. When you get there, just say amen. And it reads as such. As for, oh, excuse me, Ephesians 2, 2 through 8. I apologize. Um, And it reads as such As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, somebody say mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Come on, church, let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being awesome and sovereign. Lord, we thank you for being an open river that flows into this place. God, you are just unbelievable. You are the fountain open in the house of David. God, we thank you because we know you are going to do something mighty in this place. Lord, we ask that you would show up and show out like never before. Those that are in need of spiritual things, the things that they have not spoken publicly, God, I ask that you would grant them according to your will and purpose. We need you tonight. Great things have followed. Signs and wonders have followed us, Lord. But, Lord, we need to stay grounded in you, for there is a world out there suffering. Let us continue to do your work, but most of all, let us be rooted in the one thing that matters most, your Son, Jesus Christ. In the precious and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise, church. Hallelujah. Church, do me a favor. Come out of your graveyard. Come out of your graveyard. You going to come out of your graveyard tonight? Okay. We'll see. You know, this is the thing. During my time as a chaplain, uh, I encountered death up close. Um, working as a chaplain, it's just... Just a glorified name for someone who is a spiritual advisor in hospitals and in prisons. Sometimes you see prison chaplains. I just by chance worked in a hospital as a chaplain. And it seemed like every day during this time as I walked as a a chaplain, uh, I would walk this three square uh, mile level one trauma center. I mean, it was a humongous hospital. Um, And I was only guaranteed two things during my time there, during my year there. I was guaranteed to walk a lot, which I did. I needed tennis shoes to get from point A to point B. Um, And I was guaranteed that I would see someone taking their last breath and dying at some point. And that happened every day that I worked. There was never not one day. And from young to old, people died, just like they die in our society every day. And, you know, it's funny. Every now and again, I would be, you know, left trying to console and pray for family members and friends about what was happening to their loved one. And that was a difficult thing for me because I had never encountered that. I haven't had too many people, by the grace of God, die in my family. And it's so interesting, and when when the family would would finally leave the room, church, when they would finally go on, I would have time to go back into the hospital room uh, and and just sit there and, and really pray over the atmosphere. Now, what was unique about this particular thing was that it was me and the dead person, just us two. And I can tell you some of those nights that I would get those calls to go into those rooms um, were a little spooky when it was just us two. But I had a job to do, and most of all, I have a God to serve. That's one thing that we have to do when we're doing ministry. We have a God to serve, we have to keep going. And when I would go back into these rooms, Every so often, the Lord would speak to me about a person's life. Every so often. And I remember on this one particular occasion, I was called uh, to this area called the palliative care unit um, of the hospital to pray for this dying man. And so I don't know if you know what a palliative care unit is, but it's really where where they send people that are are elderly, that are end of life, and there's nothing more they can do for them other than just sending them home to die in peace. Um, But this is where the dying or people that were going to die would end up as I entered the room, uh, a man had already passed. Uh, but what stood out to me was that I could feel the spiritual, spiritual tension in the room. Have you ever been into a place where you could just feel something wasn't right? Yeah, I felt that when I walked in. It was something I had never felt in my life. And, you know, it's so interesting. There was so much darkness in the room like I had never experienced. And I remember this like it was yesterday, church. The Lord spoke to me and said, that the person who had just died had lived a hard life and death was the only comfort that they had their entire life. Can you imagine going through a life and never having no peace? That's how that person died. I don't know what went on in their life, but I know God spoke that on that evening. It was about 1130. I'll never forget it. His death was only the beginning for him. Because he had lived a lifetime in the graveyard. And brothers and sisters, I want you to get this tonight. I believe that so many people in our society are living in the graveyard. I believe that people are carrying a cemetery mentality, Pastor Art, in our society. Whether they know it or they don't know it. And that is one of the major reasons why folks are dead spiritually. But I have news for you tonight. There is good news in that, in that morbid conversation I just gave you. Uh, and this is this. Uh, for those who have, who have spiritual walks that look like the walking dead, I have some news for you. There is a living gospel, amen, inspired by a living founder whose name is Jesus Christ. Come on. See, I want you to get something tonight, church, and, and I'm not going to preach long, I promise. You see, when we arrive at the text, we see the apostle Paul amen, is reminding the church at Ephesus that they are free from the bondage of sin. And what you have to understand is that Paul was talking to a young church. Uh, there were young people in the church and there were people that were coming to Christ, but it was not, a only, it was not an old church. The church had only been around for a few years, amen. Uh, but more time than not, the Christian faith was still young. It was a very, very young environment. And people We're yet learning how to walk with God. And can I tell you something? Not much has changed since that time. Many of us are still learning how to walk with God, amen. The only difference is that Paul is dead and gone now. But there's one thing that connects us, church. Get this. And the one thing that connects us, amen, to our past, present, and future is Christ Jesus. You see, the text says, as for you, you were dead. Somebody say I was dead and your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. What Paul was trying to say here, church, is that we were death warmed over. Our flesh was warm, but our spirits were cold and lifeless. Paul understood this thing. See, what you have to understand is that he had lived a lifetime before he had actually become saved and done God's work. Can I tell you something? Paul was a terrorist to the Christian brethren. He was an outright terrorist to the Christian brethren. He wanted to see nothing more than you and me persecuted for his cause, but not the cause for Christ. Can I tell you something, though? So when Paul surrendered his life to Christ, there had to be some revelation that it was all or nothing. Paul saw a word that was not accommodating a world, excuse me, that was not accommodating to his Christian values. He experienced that all the time. But here's the thing. He had been revived in his spirit, church. He had been revived like nobody had ever been revived before. And church, I'm here to let you know that if you're going to truly live for Christ, the first thing we need to do is stop digging up the graves of our past. Come on, somebody. You see, Paul had done many things, amen, that were terrible towards Christians before he knew Jesus. And yet, this is what the text says, and yet when he was redeemed, he looked toward his source instead of his circumstances. And that's why Paul says, church, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He didn't say I look behind the mark or under the mark. What did he say? I look toward the mark. Church, can I tell you something? So many of us are grave diggers. Yeah, see? So many of us are grave diggers in our society. So many of us sneak off and dig up our past because really, can I tell you the truth? When you do that type of thing, you really ain't had a conversion experience. When you go back to, and the, and the text talks about this. It talks about going back to a dog's vomit. When you're able to do that, what you're saying is, is I'm not redeemed. Okay, it's quiet, okay, I promise I'm gonna hurry up. (laughs) You know, it's the same analogy, get this, as someone being sentenced to death by the electric chair, right? Now you're sentenced, you and I, we're sentenced to death, but by some miracle, the sentence gets commuted by the governor, but when no one is watching, we sneak back into the death chamber and sit on the electric chair. (laughs) Now everybody gone, everything's done, they say, you know what? You you know what? You can go, but you you banging on the you banging on the death chamber thing. Like, no, let me back in and sit back on the on the, on the uh, electric chair. That's what this is like, right? And what a tragedy is it is when Christ commuted our sentence, amen. When really we deserve death, and yet and still we go back and rest in the death sentence. Whoo, my God! But that's why Paul says. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive, amen, with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been what? Saved. My God. You see, Paul is reminding the Ephesians of sin that ruled in their lives. But here is the thing, church. Get this. Paul tells them of Christ's mercy so that they can use it as a motivator and how to stay saved. Nothing more, nothing less. It's used as a motivator. Church, we don't have to forget where we come from. We don't have to forget. At the same time, we shouldn't want to go back from that which we came from. It's quiet. Okay. You know, there's a scholar that writes, the memories of our sin is the best fuel for our gratitude to Christ for all he has done on our behalf. So then how is it that we can go back to that very thing, to those people, places, and things when God has redeemed us and been patient with us and pulled us out of our mess? How is it that we can go back? Can I tell you something? You got to come out of your graveyard. Listen, here's the thing church, digging up our past sins is like us digging up a dead body in a graveyard at night for pay. We are actively working in darkness. That's what we're doing. We're actively working in darkness. And in order for us to get out of darkness, one of the things, the second thing, this is my second thing we need to do. Can I tell you something? It seems simple, but it's not. We got to turn on some light. You ever been in a? Have you, How many of you? You know what? I was. I was a simple child. Y'all have to forgive me. I played ghosts in the graveyard, but we actually went to graveyards to do that type of mess. When I was a teenager, not you know. Now at forty-two, I'd be like somebody asked me. I'm like, Are you crazy? Like, but we, but but we did that kind of stuff. We thought it was. We thought it was funny. We would go do that type of stuff. You know, go get inebriated and go and go run through the graveyard. Not thinking that that, that the very fact that we're inebriated could lead us to the graveyard. Amen. Okay, y'all don't know what inebriated is? Okay, I'm going to just keep going. All all y'all, y'all been saved since birth. I forgot. Church, (laughs) yeah, I was wasted too. Church, the word of God is light. It serves as light. We need the word of God to build our faith, to strengthen us, to protect us when our graveyard experience comes into our life and seems unmanageable. But here's the thing. Can I, just, can I just talk for a minute? You know, the problem is most people don't really want to get into the Word of God. And I don't talk, I'm not talking about reading a passage of Scripture. Yeah, that, that helps. But you got to study. you got to bathe in the Word of God. you got to make it a part of your everyday life. Because let me tell you something. There's going to be some times when you call some folks that you normally call for, some, for, for a pick-me-up to help you, and they're not going to answer. You're going to try to call some saved folks, and they're not going to sound too saved on the phone. But there's, (laughs) ah, okay, Eh? (laughs) ah, but (laughs) you want me to pause real quick? You got some saved folks on, you know, talking on the phone. But there's one thing that remains the same, and that's the word of God. That's why he says, heaven and earth shall pass, but what my what? My word shall stand. When all else fails, the Word of God is what is infallible. Come on, church, give God some praise. I want you to understand tonight. You know, when I had some dark times in my life, and I've had many. There's been some times. There's been some times I had. To, I had to go to that Scripture. You know, there. has there, been some times that where I didn't have a, uh, two two pennies to rub together, and I and I needed and I needed to be reminded where where I was tithing and it said, prove me now. You know, well, I needed to be comforted, and, and the Lord t- took me to a scripture where it, where it showed where David encouraged himself. That's what the word of God, see, that's what it's there for. It's not there as a relic. It's not there as an antique to be put up in the Smithsonian. It's there for you to digest, because when you can digest the word and really take it in, your life will begin to change. You know, I remember, let me tell you, there, there's, a, there's a testimony on YouTube, and, and the pastors, a a pastor named R- R- Ronaldo or whatever, but he talked about what it was like growing up in a, in a, uh, in a, in a brothel from the time he was a little boy. And he was, he was put, he was, he was castigated to the side and made to seem like he was never going to do anything with his life. But there was a woman when he was in middle school that gave him a Gideon's Bible. And from the time that he had that Gideon's Bible until the time he became a man, he said he read 2,000 scriptures. And it seemed like Overnight, things begin to change in his life. That's how powerful the word of God is, church. Can I tell you something? There have been some people who are on the verge of harming themselves and others, but open up the word of God and were easily deterred. Come on. I'm, okay, I'm going to just keep going. Listen. <laughs> Praise, chapel. The text says in Psalm 119, I want you to get this, that thy word is a lamp. Somebody say, lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my path. the word is like a, fa- a flaming sword. Amen. Imagine a flaming sword that can cut through darkness like warm butter. You ever seen a hot knife cut through warm butter? That's how the Word of God is through darkness. You see, I want to encourage one of you, somebody in here tonight to get into the word of God. Y'all getting hungry because I said warm butter? <laughs> y'all thinking about food?) <laughs> That does sound good. Hey, babe, can we have pancakes when we get home? (laughs) Let me tell you something. Paul understood that to walk with Jesus is to walk in the light of his grace, church. Grace is light. (laughs) That's why Paul says God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Church, the heavenly realms represents eternal life. That's what it is. But can I tell you something on the other side? Satan rules the kingdom of darkness. You know the problem with one of the, one of the issues within our society is that we have over-Hollywooded this Christian thing that, we, that, that we're doing. People actually believe that, that Satan is like this guy with like a red suit on with horns and a tail and, and, and he drinks vodka and he tells you just funny things to do and all this Uh Uh-uh, no, 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 no. (laughs) Satan is very real. (laughs) Can I tell you something? Paul describes Satan as the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And what he means by that, church, and and if you ever heard him be called the Prince of the Air, this is what he's talking about. The Prince of the Air is not something you can readily see. See, can you see air? You can't see air, can you? But you but can I tell you something? It's there. It's absolutely there. Satan has dominion over his kingdom of this world. uh, But it is within the spiritual realms we can't see. But can I tell you every now and again, it does manifest. It manifests on people within places and in things and in structures. Amen. Let me, I'm going to give you an example. You know, lately here we've been seeing uh, this, this spark of suicides that have been going on. And so now they have a word for it where, where one person commits suicide and then another person. It's called suicidal contagion. That's what, that's what they're calling it now. And it's something that has been studied. It's a clinical study that's going on. And what it means is, is that, that they're seeing the, these trends that are happening in high school, in Hollywood, in, in Fortune 500 companies, in Wall Street. Suicidal contagion is happening everywhere. And let me tell you something. There may be a clinical answer to this situation. It may be a chemical imbalance. It may be a lot of things. But let me tell you something. There is a devil, the prince of the air, that is pulling on the strings of people's minds, bodies, and spirits that are whispering to them to tell them, you don't belong here. Let me tell you, people were shocked when Anthony Bourdain killed himself because they kept saying, how was it? That somebody who had traveled so much and had given back so much could kill themselves. But it became very evident to me there's a life that we don't see that's going on. And that's the, that's the life that Satan is interested in. You see, a lot of times y'all believe that Satan is interested in the work that, that, that you're doing in the community and doing with people at your jobs and, and praying for people. Nah, nah. He wants to work on you when you're struggling about those things you don't want to talk to pastor, you don't want to talk to God about. That's what he's really dealing with. And that's the thing that we have to address. The devil is a liar. There are too many people, saints included, who are thinking about ending their life. And can I tell you something? God is grieved by that. Come on, church. (coughs) Listen. I'm going to tell you something. I was hurt by what I saw with Anthony Bourdain. But I understand, and him and Kate Spade. I, you know, I, I, I've never owned a purse. I don't know much about what, you, <laughs> you know, I, I understand that, that she had a lot of money. But, but that just goes to show you, money, access to resources, privilege, all the things that money can buy cannot buy you happiness and peace. That's why God says, I give you peace that surpasses all understanding. See, your money, see you, the, the world understands money. The world understands privilege and, and, and understands what it's like to, to buy property and to be able to go and do what you want to do. But what happens when you can no longer lean into those things to make you happy? There's a void. I got some friends right now in my life that got voids in their life. They keep trying to fill it with women, with money, and they can't do it. They can't understand that it's, it's not predicated on what you have and who's around you. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ being in your life. Come on, church. Listen. Church, the enemy has been defeated. Isn't that what we sing? That the enemy has been defeated. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, the story of Jesus Christ is a story of light. It's a story of light, church. That's why Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He is the light, church. But let me tell you something. Satan would love to do nothing else but to extinguish that light in your life by making you believe that God is not here for you, he doesn't love you, and that he's not going to bring you through. It's quiet tonight. His light gives us a way of escape out of the graveyard. Last thing, church. Come on. Last thing. And y'all can come on, praise team. To come out of our graveyard, sometimes we need a guide. You ever been in a graveyard? You've been to a funeral and it seemed like it was a maze to get out of there? They had you go all the way down to the end and all of that? You need a guide. Can I tell you who that guide is? You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. Yes, you need Jesus. You need the Holy Ghost too. You need the Holy Ghost, church. You see, Paul reminds us that we were dead in our transgressions. But now we are connected, amen, to Christ in the heavenly realms. Praise chapel. Can I tell you something? God is so awesome in me. He's so awesome and merciful that he gave us a lifeline a connection to him in the heavenly realms. That's why we call it a heavenly language. That's why we call it that, because we have access. When we have the Holy Ghost, we have access to him who is heavenly. My God, listen, the Holy Ghost is a roadmap out of darkness, church. Just like if it was pitch black in here and we couldn't see the Holy Ghost would get us out of here. You see, Paul mentioned grace in this passage of Scripture, but I believe that the gift of the Holy Ghost is a measure of God's grace. (coughs) Church, it's a gift. It is a gift. And those who give gifts are what? They're gracious. You ever heard somebody say, that was mighty gracious of you to do that? God has been so mighty gracious to us, church. He's been so gracious you know, last, last Sunday, I, I know it just seems like it keeps coming up, but it's been on my mind. You know, God doesn't have to come by like that. He really doesn't. And in a lot of churches, he doesn't. But he thought enough of this house and the work that we're doing and the service that our leaders have given unto him to come by and say, I'm pleased. I love you. You've got work to do but keep fighting. He could have left us right there but he came and showed himself to us. And people were set free, healed and delivered church. That's a powerful thing. There's a lot of churches that have 20 and 30,000 people that are in them right now. And you can't feel God in there. Doesn't mean that big churches don't have God, but I'm just using that as an example that it's not always about the size of the church. It's about the heart of the church and about the willingness and service of the people that are there. And when God sees that, he's pleased, church. Come on, give God some praise. Hallelujah. I'm almost through. I understand that things right now, for some of us in here, have been difficult. But can I tell you something? God wants to exhume your spirit tonight. And that's just a fancy way of saying he wants to dig you out of your circumstance. And you know what kind of shovel he's using? He wants to give you, to give you your own shovel, and that shovel is the Holy Spirit. To dig yourself out of your situation, but you got to start talking to him, church. You got to bathe in the word of God. You got to reach, you got to call out to him. You know, I was going through something recently, and my mother, just, just out of nowhere, she said, Baby, above all else, I taught you one thing, to cry out to God. That's what I did. I found myself in my kitchen, crying out to God about a circumstance in my life. It wasn't anything major, but it was just something that I needed to be reminded of. He wants to dig us out of our situation, and the Holy Ghost is the key. His spirit church that dwells in us is a torch out of the depths of despair. Look, we're called to be the voice. We are called to be the voice. That is our mantra for 2018. And if we are going to be the voice, we are going to have to give up our job as grave diggers, church. We gotta give up that job now. We have to quit as grave diggers. We have to stop digging up our past. We have to turn some light on. We need the Holy Ghost to lead us out of our graveyard. Do you love him, church? Do you really love him like you say you do? Then come out of the graveyard. Come on, give God some praise. I'm done.